Shalom, and welcome to this Northern Fire podcast. The title of this message is The Names of God, Part 3, Yehovah Ahav. Once again, the name Yehovah is the name of our Father in Heaven, and it is translated often I am or I am that I am. It is the four Hebrew letters yod Hey vav Hey, sometimes pronounced Yahweh or Yehovah, and it's the name that Father most often reveals himself with in the Old Testament. And then the Hebrew word Ahav is translated love, and it's the letters Aleph, He, Vav, and it is the most common word for love in the Hebrew language. Yehovah Ahav is the Lord of love, or the Lord is love. Now, in the Hebrew Old Testament, there is no place where it's actually that this is given as the personal name of God. But I'm taking this out of the New Testament, where in 1 John 4, 8, it reads, God is love. So, God is love. Love is his character. Love is his nature. And I'm releasing it today in the form of a name, Yehovah Ahav. Yehovah is love. Now, as I begin this message also, there are there are three words in Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek. And the three words for love in Greek are agape, philos, and eros. Eros meaning erotic love, that type of attraction in the physical. Philos meaning brotherly love, the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's, it's a bond between people. And agape, agape, the highest form of love. It's it's a higher love. It's a selfless love. It's a giving love. It's a love that wants what's best for the other person instead of yourself. And when in 1 John 4, 8, it says God is love, it uses the word agape. God is loving. He is giving. He is selfless. And he wants what's best for us. And he acts accordingly. Now, as we begin to think about this word love, and relate it to Jehovah, our Father. One thing that's very important is we cannot let the world define love. We must let the scriptures define love, the character and nature of God, our Father, define love. If we allow the world to define love, there's, there's dozens of different ways that the world would like us to define love. We must define it the way our Father defines it in the scriptures. Several years ago, I was the pastor of a small church in the town of Drummond Island. And there was a woman in our congregation, a member of our congregation named Dorothy. She was about 60 years old, never had been married. Uh, she was on disability because of some health issues. Her mother and father had both passed away. So she was really alone. And Dorothy was living in an old trailer home that leaked everywhere. Well, uh, one Saturday morning in the church basement, we were having a men's breakfast, and someone said, you know, we should do something for Dorothy. Uh, her house leaks everywhere. And began to discuss what we might be able to do, patch this. You know, the roof leaked, the windows leaked, the faucets leaked, the toilets leaked, and it, it was not a good living situation. Well, after discussing it in that men's breakfast for a, a while, 
someone said, well, let's build Dorothy a new house. And of course, uh, the initial reaction from some of the men was, we can't do that. <laughs> and in the natural, we couldn't do that. It's a small congregation. We didn't have savings. I was taking half salary. And, you know, it's it's a working class people and they just, we wouldn't just plop down thousands and thousands of dollars to build Dorothy a new house. But what I what I did, I said, you know, we're coming back in two weeks for another men's breakfast. Let's let's pray about it. Let's do some research and let's pray to God about maybe we could do something for Dorothy, maybe build her a new house. Well we came back after two weeks and uh, we said we can do this. If we trust God and we trust him for all the finances and all the materials and do the work ourselves we can build Dorothy a new house. And so the Agape Project was born. Again, the word Agape is a selfless giving love, and that's what we called this project, to build Dorothy a new house. And the bottom line was, um, that was sometime in February that we started, and I took a whole month and talked to the congregation about this was the right thing to do. And I mentioned, you know, if, if Dorothy was your sister and she was living like that, you'd do something. And I said, Dorothy is our sister. She's our sister in Messiah, and we should do something. So after a month of talking about it and praying about it with the entire congregation, we set up a fund. We started receiving donations. And six months later, uh, Dorothy was living in a new home. It was glorious. People donated their time. People donated materials. A man donated all the windows. Another man donated the furnace, and he paid for the installation. A roofer came and donated his time to put all, all the roofing on. It was a beautiful metal roof. And that same man uh, built shelves in Dorothy's pantry. Uh, people came from far away to help, and donations came from far away. Uh, once the word got out, uh, it just was like a river of living water, a river of living provision from our Father God. It truly was an agape project. The love of God flowed through us to Dorothy, and she's been living in that house now for 15 years. Hallelujah. And after we had that house built for Dorothy, uh, uh, something happened that uh, really told me that we had done the right thing and really defines for me what love truly is. And we were demonstrating the love of Father God to someone after we, after Dorothy had moved in, someone mentioned uh, to my wife, I don't know why you did that for Dorothy. She doesn't deserve it. And that's all that needs to be said about that. And I don't remember what my wife responded. But my thinking on what that man said was, that's the point. That's the whole point. She didn't deserve it. What had Dorothy done, uh, you know, in her situation? She wasn't giving great amounts of money to the church. She, you know, which, you know, we wouldn't think she was a successful person in any way. And she hadn't done anything to deserve it. But that's the point. That's what mercy is. That's what love is. That's what this kind of love is. It gives of yourself when someone doesn't deserve it. When you select someone to be the object of your goodness and you pour out that goodness and demonstrate it, that is a definition of this kind of love. And I tell you that story to say to you uh, thousands and thousands of times more 
billions of times greater is our Father and His love for us. Now, here's a few ways that we can define this love that our Father has for us. First of all, this type of love, Yehovah Ahav being His name, and allowing the scriptures and the character of our Father to divine love, love is a choice. As we look through the scriptures, love is a choice. It's a sovereign preference of one person for another. In 1 John 3, 1, it, it reads, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we might be called the children of God, and we are. The Father has bestowed love upon us and called us his, his children. He's chosen us. He created us, and even though we've wandered into sin and rebellion and turned our back, He still chooses us. And then in John 15, 16, Yeshua said this, You did not choose me, I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain. We don't choose God. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later and how he draws us to himself. We don't, in our sinful nature, we don't choose God. He chooses us. That's love. Even when we're in sin and rebellion, even when we don't know him, he chooses us and he sticks to his choice. In the end, the Father chose us over his own Son. In that regard, love is a decision which prompts action. Father chose us over his own Son. He made a decision and it prompted him to action on our behalf. In 1 John 4, 9, it reads, In this the love of Elohim is manifested toward us, that Elohim sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but God loved us and gave his Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then in 1 John 3.16 it reads, By this we know love, because Yeshua laid down his life for us. Can you see that decisions were made? The world was plunged into sin by Satan's rebellion and Satan's temptation. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and, again, plunged the entire universe into this corruption. At that moment, decisions were made by the Father and by His Son, and it prompted them to action. And so, love as we see the, the Savior coming to earth to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, love can be defined as to hold something precious and give your life for it or give your life to it. To hold something precious to have a, a deep, abiding affection for something. Father created us. We're His. We belong to Him. And even though we corrupted ourselves, He held on to us as precious and ultimately gave His life for us. This is the essence of John 3.16, where Yeshua said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might have life. And then in Romans 8.31 it reads, If Elohim is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him up for us all. So we see love is a choice. Love is a decision which prompts action. 
And love is to hold something precious and give your life to it. I'm involved in a ministry uh, named Kerex. It's K-E-R-Y-X. It's a Greek word, which means herald or town crier, one who proclaims the message of his superior, one who brings good news. And as a ministry, we minister to men in prisons here in the nor- in northern Michigan. We, as a ministry, uh, we go into the prisons four days at a time. And you could think of this as a Christian workshop or Christian retreat. And we typically go in with 40 to 50 volunteers. And there will be 50 to 60 inmates. It'll be in the gymnasium or auditorium. We sit at tables. Uh, we eat together. We have talks with table discussions. We pray together. We sing together. The inmates have an opportunity for one-on-one counseling. There are other special events during the four days. We volunteers go in in the morning and come out in the evening. And some volunteers will stay in a motel. Others will stay on cots, sleep on cots in a local church. As part of this ministry, we are taking the truth of the scriptures, the gospel of Yeshua, and the love of the Father to these men. Because we know that in Matthew 25, Yeshua said, I was in prison and you visited me. These men uh, come to these weekends ready, wanting to learn, and many are transformed before our very eyes. And we are very aware that it's the love of the Father, the transforming power of the love of the Father that is changing these men. He's simply using us as vessels to do it. On one of these weekends, there was a young man, maybe 30 years old, and he came to the weekend, and he was quiet at the beginning and and slowly got involved. And then uh, the other part of our ministry is we have weekly follow-up, weekly meetings in the prison to follow up with these men. And so this young man, I won't use his name to, to keep his privacy, uh, this young man went through the Carrick's weekend. And several weeks later, on one of the follow-up uh, Bible studies, he gave a testimony. And this is what he said. He said, when I came to the weekend, I was a gang leader. And I was ordering violence and various evil practices in this compound. He was a, we would say, a kingpin in, in the gangs, the gang life of the prison. He said, when I came to the Carrick's weekend, I had a monster inside of me. Now I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. What a profound transformation. And over the years, I've been able to be back in that prison at various times. I've talked to him. He's, he's preaching the word now. He is helping other inmates find Yeshua and walk with Yeshua. He's living a life that is pleasing to the Heavenly Father This man has been truly transformed by the love of Yehovah. We would look at a man like that and we would see him as one of the most evil, degenerate people on planet earth. And yet in love, our Father in heaven looks at that man as a son whom Father wants to be reconciled to. And so another aspect of this Love of our God, Yehovah Ahav, is true love is demonstrated. 
true love is demonstrated. In Romans 5.8, it says, Elohim demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for the ungodly. See those words? Sinners and ungodly. Yeshua died for them. That's the demonstrated love of our God. And then in John 15.9, Yeshua said this, As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. And later, Yeshua said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeshua came to manifest the Father and all the dynamics and aspects of our Father. And the greatest one of these, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, is love. Father is consistently demonstrating his love for us. Now, just to do a little aside here as a reminder, um, God's love doesn't always give us everything we want. And as good parents, we understand this. Our children, we don't feed them ice cream, cookies, cake, pop, chips, all that kind of stuff all the time. That's a that's a occasional thing for a treat. We want our children to have nutritious food so they grow up strong and healthy. It's the same with our Heavenly Father. He does not give us everything we want. He does give us everything we need. And in Hebrews 12, we're told that God disciplines those who he loves. And he chastens us. In fact, it says there in Hebrews 12, No chastening is pleasant at the present time, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness for all those who are trained by it. Like a good shepherd, Father is leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sometimes he causes pain to get our attention, to get us to turn around, to get us to deal with sin in our life so that we can be free from the things of the world, the devil, and our flesh. So Father's love also uh, can be painful, uh, but he's not always chastening and causing pain. Many, many times in our lives, he's showing us his goodness, his mercy, and his truth. Now, the other point I want to make here is that Father's love draws us to himself. Father's love draws us to himself. That's the intended purpose of him demonstrating his love. In Exodus 19, verse 4, it says, Jehovah said this to the children of Israel, You saw what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. All of the Exodus, the ten plagues, the, the parting of the Red Sea, the water in the wilderness, the manna, and coming to Mount Sinai, Jehovah says to them, I brought you to myself. All of that was his love to draw them to himself. And then he gave them a covenant there at Mount Sinai. In Jeremiah 31.3, Jehovah says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Father draws us with his love, with his mercy, his kindness. He's constantly drawing us to himself. In John 6, Yeshua said this, No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Think about that a moment. No one comes to Yeshua unless the Father draws them. That is the power of our God's faith, hope, and love, his goodness, his righteousness, his truth. He is drawing us to Yeshua. And then in Romans 2, 4, we read, the goodness of God leads to repentance. And so we know that God sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Father causes the sun to shine upon good and evil people. 
Even people that aren't living for our Father experience His goodness because the goodness of God leads to repentance. This is much of what Yeshua did as He walked the earth. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He cleansed the lepers. He raised the dead. He did good. And the Bible says that Elohim anointed Yeshua of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Yeshua manifested the love of Father. He manifested the goodness of God for the purpose of leading men and women to repentance. Now, the failure, then, is not in the love of God. The failure is not in his plan and purpose to redeem us and bring us to himself. He's drawing. He is leading us. He's calling us consistently and constantly. The failure is that we resist. Another testimony from our Carex ministry in the prisons. Uh, on one of these particular weekends, uh, we had a man who actually on the Thursday, the first day of the weekend, announced to all of us that he was an atheist. Uh, he just came to the Carex weekend because he heard that we had donuts and good food that they normally and coffee that they nor normally don't get in prison. And we don't mind that. We want them to come. You know, even if they're an atheist that comes only for the food, we want them to be there because they're in the presence of Yeshua. They're hearing the truth. They're around men who have faith and integrity, and they have an opportunity to come to Yeshua because he's drawing, the Father's drawing them to Yeshua. And you can imagine that uh, at table discussions, uh, he didn't take part. Uh, when it came time to sing, he would sit and uh, just stare at the wall or the other people. Uh, when it came time to uh, possibly do some one-on-one -on -one counseling, he wasn't interested. And, you know, we, we, we have no idea what he was telling people when he got back to his bunk at night. Uh, but you, you all know people like this. They seem to be hard. They've put up a wall. Uh, they've got a shell around themselves. And they don't, they don't want love. They've been hurt. They've been rejected. Uh, they've been told things about themselves that are awful. And they harden themselves. And they resist. They resist uh, any efforts that we might have to help them. They resist the drawing power of the love of God. But, you know, we kept manifesting the love of our Father. And Father was there with his Holy Spirit. And uh, slowly, this man began to open up. And on Sunday, he did receive Yeshua as his Messiah. He did confess publicly that he was a new believer and wanted to give his life over to his Lord and his shepherd. And that's, you know, it's a simple example of how people resist and resist. And we need to continue to talk to them, minister to them, and love them. Because ultimately, this man was restored to his father and restored to the father's love. And the Bible says this to us, Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. God does send rain and sun and good things upon the just and the unjust. And he shows goodness in every life. And so I can kind of see that scripture as this way. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. God's drawing you and God shows you his goodness. And he steps back for a minute and see how you're going to respond. If you take a step towards him, he'll come back towards you with some more. 
Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Several years ago, I was in Israel prayer walking, and Father gave me a prophecy for the people of Israel. And part of the prophecy is what I'm going to share with you now, where Father said, I am lifting up my voice to call you. I am reaching out my hand to draw you. You are not forsaken. You are mine. Let me read that again. I am lifting up my voice to call you. I am reaching out my hand to draw you. You are not forsaken. You are mine. That's Jehovah Ahav's word to Israel. And I've taken that as that's his word to me. That's his word to every human being. We're all his sons. We're all his daughters. He's saying to us, and it doesn't matter what stage we are in our walk with him, whether we're an unbeliever or we've been preaching for 50 years, he is constantly saying, I'm lifting up my voice to call you. I'm reaching out my hand to draw you. You are not forsaken. You are mine. No matter where you are in your life, no matter how mature you might be or immature you might be in the faith, no matter how long you've been walking with Yeshua, these words are true. Think about it. Moses was 80 years old when God appeared to him in the burning bush. And the Bible says Moses turned aside to see what this burning bush was. And we're told that when Jehovah saw that Moses turned aside, Jehovah spoke to him out of the burning bush. 80 years old, still being drawn by the Heavenly Father. We're told that John the Apostle was in his 90s when he wrote the book of Revelation. And in the beginning of that book, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and the Lord said to me. In his 90s, he'd been an apostle for decades, been all over the known world preaching Yeshua, doing miracles. And still in his 90s, Father God, Jehovah Ahav, was drawing John, this great apostle. And then the apostle Paul, as you read his letters and you read his writings, even as an old man and in Rome and facing death for his faith in Yeshua, Father was drawing Paul and changing Paul and revealing himself to Paul. Uh, these three men, a uh, great lesson to us, and there's many other men and women in the Bible. Uh, it doesn't matter where they were. Father God was drawing them to Yeshua, drawing them to Messiah, drawing them to himself with the power of his love. So that's my exhortation today to everyone who's, re who's hearing this. Um, doesn't matter who you are, where you are in life, Father is drawing you. He's drawing you with his goodness. He's drawing you with his love. That is his love. It draws us to his Son and to himself. He wants to change us to be like him. He wants to use us to love those around us. He wants to reveal himself to us through his names, through his relationships, through circumstances and experiences. Again, as I began this podcast series, I quoted Yeshua in John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true Elohim and Yeshua Messiah whom you have sent. Father wants us to know him. All of eternity we will spend our time getting to know the eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, awesome creator of the universe. So draw near to God. Let him draw you. 
Don't resist. Respond to his love today and every day. Shalom. Mm -hmm.